Are you trying to make a concerted effort to eat cleaner and healthier in 2023? Maybe you're trying to find fresher eats. Mahana Fresh offers a full range of healthy, protein-filled, grain-rich bowl options. Personally, my favorite is the Big Kahuna Bowl. Fresh basmati, spinach, buffalo, cauliflower, garlicky cilantro green beans, barbecue chicken, and grilled steak with cilantro vinaigrette. Are you kidding me? You are doing yourself a huge favor by adding Mahana Fresh to your lifestyle. Located at 3985 56th Street South, Unit F in Fargo, Mahana Fresh is open seven days a week. Mahana Fresh also offers catering. Your next party, get Mahana Fresh. Do it. You will not regret it. Call 701-532-1172 or visit MahanaFresh.com to eat fresh today. What up? It's uh, it's Andrew Abernathy, the one, yes. the only. <laughs> I've arrived. You've arrived via phone. <laughs> what are you up to today? I am just living the dream as another backyard dad on this backyard dad's podcast. So you know how it is. Pretty high level, you know. I wouldn't expect you to understand, Andrew, but it's it's pretty intense back here, back here in the in the home front. <laughs> oh, I love it. How many interviews have you been doing? You've been piling them in? Piling them in, uh, trying to. You know, people's schedules are are uh, are always a moving target. But, you yeah. know, you try and do your best, and if you can make it work, uh, you just try and squeeze it in. So I, w- I love doing interviews during the day that is a game changer because before you know you do them late at night or you do them in the evening and it's not like the worst thing but it is it is a little bit more challenging because if you have kids and evening activities and now it's summer and people want to be out doing stuff it's, it's a lot harder to try and get these in during the night you know just because everybody's doing stuff where you know if you can crank them out before five o'clock that's uh it works out well for everybody yeah, that's kind of me. It's uh, I just try to cram everything in from 10 a.m. to to 5 p.m. That's kind of my my daily goal. Yeah, and that's not a bad that's not a bad like chunk of time to try and get what you need accomplished for the day. So I appreciate you squeezing this backyard pod uh, backyard dad's podcast in. Um, yeah, of course. We're doing we're doing a lot of fun stuff. Um, you know what I've been telling the listeners. Uh, and we're live right now, so you can't shit talk me, because uh, it will go. We are live. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go live now, and then anything that you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Uh, Love it. No, so uh, you know, I was telling somebody the other day. I was like, "Well, I want to get back into this podcast thing," and I've always I love podcasts. I'm obsessed with them, and probably too much at times, but. Um, you know, I had one before and it was just like, it was inundated with sports. And I like, uh, you know me, I'm a sports guy, I'm a sports fiend, but not everybody is and not everybody really cares. And, you know, I'm like, I want to have more conversations, but I don't want it to always, you know, circle the wagon of sports because that can kind of bog people down. And, you know, Lake and, you know, bless her soul is just, she kind of likes sports because of me, but that's about it. You know, there's no extension beyond that so i'm like i want to hit a bigger demographic of people but i want to have a fun twist and so i was uh 
shop talking like names in my head and I'm like, you know, backyard backyard dads are is like a pretty cool kind of twist on you know, we've all been sitting somewhere and you just, you're posted up at the grill and you're, you're cooking a good wiener and you're like, you know, you're like, man, you know, how about this grass? And all of a sudden you start talking about the grass, you start diving into, you know, what kind of fertilizer you're using. And it just becomes this like, you know, very cliche conversation between two dads. And, and uh, I think it's just comical. There's fun things to talk about within that space. So that's kind of where this whole podcast thing came back into play. Uh, another thing that I'm doing is I'm trying to keep these interviews to 45 minutes, you know, like just, just get them in, talk about what you need to talk about, talk about some fun stuff, talk about some, you know, whatever. And, uh, everybody move on with their day. So, you know, it's, you pee quick then. yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, go, to, go, go to the bathroom, pee, uh, you know, do what you have to do. Um, for those who don't know you, Andrew, uh, you and I have been... Oh, are we live right now? We're live, yeah. Oh, dude. Oh. I mean, nobody's hey. gonna nobody's gonna care that you you said you had to pee on the show, like, you know. Are you sure? No. Okay. No, that's 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 what dads do. If you didn't pee outside, that might be taking your dad <laughs> your dad card from you, and yeah. then and then get a drink from the water hose while you're out there. <laughs> yeah, that would be true. That would be true. <laughs> uh, the the thing about it, um, you and I have known each other for a long time. We grew up kind of neighborly uh, neighbors, you know, about what, six yep. miles apart, seven miles apart, if that. Yep. And for those who don't know you, Andrew, our listeners, um, just give us a little little Andrew background story. Yeah, I grew up, uh, like Blaine said, kind of near him, by Lansford, North Dakota. I uh, grew up on a family farm with five siblings and went to the small town of school of lansford until that shut down i think i was in about sixth uh, fourth grade i believe it was chosen four and uh then moved into mohall and i think that's kind of when we met blaine wasn't it yeah yeah we, we, our circles kind of ran together you know growing up just because yeah your your uh one of your siblings uh emily we're gonna plug her uh was a year younger than I was in school. You were a year older. So I was kind of in between you guys in terms of age. And so between our summer activities and just proximity, we kind of knew each other. But then it wasn't really until, yeah, you were coming to school in Mohall that uh, we, you know, really started a, a friendship and a connection um, that, you know, that goes back. I mean, where I'm having my 10-year high school reunion this summer so Jeez, you know that's crazy i know i'm getting i'm getting old but uh that's that's uh neither here or there um so you're in mohall and uh you andrew uh i think people are always curious about you know how you kind of get to where you're at today um and we're going to circle the wagon on you know family and kids and, and all that stuff yeah. but um as far as your career goes you know, um, give people just a little bit of an insight of what you do, how you do it, and uh, kind of what you got going on in, in today's uh, 2023. Yeah, um, so today we've we built up Abernathy Holdings um, to about uh, $250 million in assets, and we're, we're growing by about, I don't know, 60 to $100 million in assets per year. So hoping to hit the billion soon, that, that'll be exciting. Um, but yeah, it all started back in 2000 and 
eight, I think it was. I was in eighth grade in high school when I kind of started it. Um, it's kind of evolved to what it is is today. Um, today we we're basically just a holding company conglomerate, but our focus is developing Class A self storage facilities that are branded by public storage in the West Coast, kind of Arizona, California, and then we also own the operating companies that uh, that build them too. Um, so we're up to about about 30, 40 employees. We were up to 120 employees at one point, but we sold off. We had a insurance company we were large owners in on the NASDAQ and we sold that off early last year. So that dropped us down to 20 employees, but now we're back up to I think 30 or 40 just because a lot of our verticals are kind of growing. So that's kind of the highlight, the high level. The, 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 I think the funny thing, not funny, it's not funny at all, but like the interesting thing about kind of where you started and, and where you're at now is, you know, and you and I have talked about this at length a little bit, you know, you've kind of, you, you kind of, uh, I don't know if testing the waters would be the right word, but you, you, you looked at other, you know, career paths and opportunities and oh, yeah. potential investment, you know, kind of realms. And ultimately you landed on the storage unit, um, you know, path. Can you just walk our listener through, you know, cause I think that's such an interesting segment and industry to be heavily involved in um just walk us through kind of where that idea sprouted from and 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 how you landed on you know saying like you know we're going to do storage units and we're going to do a lot of them yeah that's a good question so we um you know back when i started in eighth grade it was literally you know i was going to be a farmer like everybody else back home that had farming parents pretty much and uh i started farming actually when i was in 10th grade in high school officially, but I was working on the farm before that. And when I started this in 08, it was going to be just kind of a side passion project. I had four grand saved up from running grain cart and combine for five bucks an hour for my dad and my grandpa and um, went into the stock market to start. Again, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to invest and I Warren Buffett was my idol. So started with the stock market, was very fortunate to turn four grand to $80,000 by my 10th grade year in high school there. Um, and then I started getting into real estate in 10th grade and that's when I started raising money and it was still a side project. I think I raised like 300 grand from investors, um, in 10th, 11th grade. And I was actually actively farming at the time with my brother. That's what I was going to do, you know, farm. And then ended up going to college at NDSU for a couple semesters, not very long. Uh, <laughs> I dropped out because I raised more capital than I thought I would. That pretty fast. I think I raised another ten million dollars for Abernathy Holdings between um, my senior year and year into college, and that was kind of my turning point. That was my okay. You know, I do love this more than farming. Actually, maybe I don't want to farm, but I still want to stay involved. So my brother and I struck a deal. Uh, I'd stay fifty-fifty owner in the farm, silent partner. You know, no salary or anything. He'd run it. And then he'd have some shares in Abernathy Holdings that I would run. And that's what we did. Uh, I was scared to tell my dad. But when I told him, he's like, I've been waiting for you to tell me. I'm like, oh, geez, okay. Well, <laughs> but I freaked out for like a year, two months before. So, you know, I was a boy. You're supposed to farm. That was kind of the unspoken rule. So that was kind of to get to that part of the career. Yeah, it's I was in so many things from there on. I mean, we were in insurance companies that were on the NASDAQ. We, were, we bought an equipment dealership in Great Falls. We had... HUD buildings, office commercial buildings, um, apartments, uh, 
you know, we just had a little bit of everything. And then I was very fortunate to meet Gary Theraldson when I was probably about 20. And we just kind of started as more of a mentor-mentee relationship. And in 2017, I was probably, Abernathy Holdings was up to uh, 30 million in assets, 20 to 30 million in assets. And that was when Gary told me, no, Andrew, you're good at a lot of things, but not, not great at anything. And that's when I realized that I had to focus on something. Um, whatever it was, I had to focus on something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Did bring you to that point. The, the, the crazy thing, and I think a lot of people, myself included, you know, let's backtrack a little bit. You're starting to make some decent capital. And I mean, how old you were, what you were, you were 18, 19, 20 years old. And you're looking at, you know, the numbers on the paper and you're like, damn, this is, I'm making some decent money here. How did you, how did you stay disciplined in, in not getting a big head? Right. You know, like I think, I think when you start raising that kind of money and you start to see, you know, a lot of zeros, um, I think people kind of get overzealous about, you know, well, here's what I'm going to do, or or they start to spend, or they start to, you know, they kind of, they don't strike that balance of like, okay, this is a slow build, right? And it sounds like, I mean, obviously between your senior year and that first few years of college, uh, you raised, I mean, an exorbitant amount of money. How did you stay grounded in like, did you just say like, this is part of a bigger plan or, or, you know, walk us, walk me through kind of that thought process. Yes. I mean, I, money to me is, it's more about the game to me, you know, if it was about the money, I would have stopped by then for sure would have stopped by now. Um, But for me, I always wanted to build something huge, like billion plus company since I was a kid. So this was just, it was such a small portion of what I was trying to build. And I also grew up in the perfect industry, you know, in farming, uh, farmers have very asset heavy balance sheets and very low cash flow. And any cash flow they do have above living goes back into buying more assets, more land that has, again, a low uh, return. So really, there's really just no free cash flow on land. I mean, if you put 50% cash down on a a quarter and you have a 30-year loan, you're pretty much not going to cash flow anything if you were just equaling the out to rent. Right. Um, just kind of cash flows itself. So I, I, to me, it was normal. Um, I had a balance sheet that was growing like any farmer. Um, every dollar I did make, I literally put back in to buy more shares to own more of it. Um, today, my wife and I own 32% of Abernathy Holdings, and we've raised over $80 million in capital. So that's exciting. Uh, and I don't know. It's just, to me, that was what I grew up with. That's what I saw. That's all I knew. So... I just never kept any of it to spend on a crazy lifestyle. I mean, I had a good life, don't get me wrong, but in 2014, my, my salary was, in 2014, my salary was only like 30 grand, 40 grand. Sure. And yeah. obviously it went up a lot since then, but every time it went up, I would always just buy more shares before I increased my lifestyle. Um, I'd say my, my income today, I probably live on about 5% of it. Sure. My wife and I. So you, it's just, I just grew up with it. It's always what I do to just invest in your future. Do you ever take a second and just like you and your wife, uh, who is who's absolutely wonderful, Lacey is a, a yeah, wonderful wonderful gal, and, and we love hanging out with you guys when we do. Um, do you guys ever take a step back and just and think, you know, you're having a glass of wine or something, and you're like, 
shit, we've done a lot and you've got, you know, beautiful kids. Do you ever just like, do you ever kind of marvel at what you've accomplished or is it kind of just keep your head down and keep going or, you know, how, how do you guys approach? Because I would say most people, and I, you know, when you think about the general population, most people have not come even close to scratching the surface of, you know, capital and net worth and building, you know, such multi-million dollar conglomerates. Uh, I mean, you guys have to be kind of shocked some days. Am, am I yeah. accurate? No, that's a great question. I mean, yeah, my wife is amazing. I always say like, you know, I met her young. I met her when I was 20 and um, she was 24 and we got married when I was like 22 and I had our first boy, we had three boys under five had her first boy i think i was like 23 and um you know lacy turned me in from a boy into a man that's for sure you know she kind of made me into who i am today i was kind of just pieces of what i am and I, I owe it all to her but you know to answer your question it's it's crazy right because we're in the thick of it I mean, we got three boys under five so sadly we don't get a whole lot of <laughs> when the kids are sleeping uh Oh, my kid wants chocolate milk. I have to get him chocolate milk while I'm talking. Sorry, if you're <laughs> no, that, right now. I love it. That's why. That's why you're on the pod. That's that's yeah, the, that's no, the stuff we need. <laughs> but uh, no, so to answer your question, we do try to like sit back and like think about it. But yeah, I mean, we are so in the thick of those three boys under five, and we don't do it enough. Yeah, you can fly. James can fly, everybody. James can fly. He said, "Hey, <laughs> if James can fly, can he fly me down to Arizona?" where you guys are at, and uh, you and I can hit the links. We can play around hey, the Hey, do you want to fly my buddy down to Arizona? you want to fly my buddy down to Arizona? Sounds like a hard, um, sounds like a hard no. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he wants to fly his toys. Fly his toys. Uh, I get that. I get that. I want to fly okay. my toys, too. Um, okay. No, that's really, you know, I, I, think it's a, I think it's kind of a testament to what you guys have accomplished, and I think, uh, you know, there'll be, a, I'm sure there'll come a day when you, you know, your boys are older and things, I don't necessarily, I don't think things ever slow down, but you have a, a different perspective of what you've accomplished. And I'm sure you, you know, that revelation, which you have had, um, but it'll sink in a little bit more. Cause yeah, like you're right. I mean, my, my, my wife and I have, uh, yeah, two, you know, two and a half and an eight month old. And I, from a, from a more simplistic perspective, we, we get that, you know, you're in the thick of it and it's like, we don't really have a lot of time to sit and ponder, you know, life's, life's, you know, uh, questions. So, so kind of circling, circling the wagon here, you know, being, being a parent, right? Where was, you know, did you know that at a, you know, in your, in the early days of raising money and trying to build, build what you have now in, in Abernathy Holdings, where did kind of being a father fall into that? Was that something that you always, you know, wanted to do regardless of where you were career-wise, or was it kind of just let the chips fall where they may? Yeah, that was more let the chips fall. I mean, I was, it's one of them things where you never want to force it, right, having kids, because yeah. I want to make sure you have the right, right gal. So for me, like when I was 20, I wasn't looking for anything. I was I was actually living out in Great Falls, Montana, in a hotel room trying to get started this Great Falls company we just bought. And I was just in Fargo, at a Johnny Holmes concert, which all the locals will know. <laughs> and that's where I met Lacey. And we hit it off, and I started going back and forth from Fargo to Great Falls, 12-hour 
each way drive on the weekends and it just kind of turned into something and 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 it happened so it wasn't something i was looking for but it was something i was for sure always open to you know my parents got married young and and i i wanted to build something with someone um so i met Lacey. i mean i guess yeah the company was doing pretty good but like you know that was still pretty pretty early on i think when i met her i was making 20 grand a year salary even though you know my net worth at the time was two million but it was all in shares of abernathy holdings which no dividends so i was living on 20 grand (laughs) and uh in a, in a hotel room in Great Falls, so I looked like quite the creeper. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I, I'm really you're, glad though it worked out great. You're like a, you would be you would have been like the handsome creeper. People would have been like yeah. this guy. Like he looks too good to be staying here, but I don't. And I was talking like this. So she yeah, thought I was yeah. Full of crap. People were like, yeah, maybe give him like a ten foot perimeter. Uh, how much? How much does? Uh, you know, because obviously, you know, finance and and money and all of the the ins and outs of, of what you do, you're kind of the brainchild behind it. But how much does Lacey infuse into that conversation? You know, because she's done some entrepreneurial things with, you know, some clothing lines and, and, and some fun yeah. stuff. So do, does she does she you know, when you when you talk about when you met when that early stage, was it kind of like you guys put your heads together and and you know, how can we do this? Or, you know, how much did you lean on her for, for some of that guidance? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I always was willing to involve her, but, you know, Lacey was, Lacey's goal was to always be just an amazing mother and, and, and wife, which she's done. Um, you know, I try to bring up stuff to her, but it's so like, <laughs> like, to be honest, I could still be bringing home, like in her mind, like if we could get to $200,000 a year household, like that's where she caps, like, She's she capped there. Like yeah. she just you can't find a way to spend more than that. Anything above it is like it's just a disconnect. Right. Yeah. Like she didn't grow up anywhere near that. So it's like so yeah, it's just uh she's always listening if I wanna talk, but there is and she's opened and sold a couple of very successful businesses, but what I am doing is to most people, including her, is just kinda like it's so nuts out, out there. It's it's wild. I think uh, to not to not mince words. It's it's pretty wild. When you know, and and I I have the fortunate um, luxury of being able to name drop you into a lot of conversations and in, in uh, on a personal level and on, on a business level. And I think the reaction that I get the most is a, a, a like a holy cow and a head shake. You know, just of, yeah. of just the unfathomable. Um, you know, meteoric rise to where you are. So, you know, I appreciate getting to getting to being the parent because part of the part of the podcast and one thing I love talking about with dads and, and other parents, um, you've seen a lot or we've seen a lot, right? And we grew up in this, we grew up in the kind of the early stages of the internet into, you know, obviously like the first iPhones and, and the technology and, and uh, you have three boys under five what's yeah. what's your biggest challenge to them you know to being a parent to three boys in in this day and age is there something that sticks out when you're like man i don't know how i'm how that's gonna go and we're just gonna have to figure it out is there is there something that you're keeps you up at night or kind of gets you to hesitate every once in a while yeah i mean i think it's more futuristic looking you know i mean obviously Hey, I wish James would be off the iPad as much as he is, but those, that's what as extreme as it gets right now. Right. But right. the biggest things I'm trying to focus on now and then my biggest worries going forward is like, 
my family, my parents were so good at this when we were kids all around the table, six of us, my dad would throw topics out and then whichever kids head turned and voice changed and they had interest, he would then spend one-on-one time on with, with them on that. So he'd maybe talk about sports or he'd talk about finance and then he would just throw out a bunch of topics at supper and my mom and him and wherever the kids got intrigued, that was what he spent one-on-one time because all six of us are different. And I think a lot of parents make the mistake of trying to make all their kids like what they like. And sometimes it's even subconscious. So that's something I've been trying to do. Like our oldest Christian is so into sports, so competitive. He'll never give up on trying to do something, even if he's failing at it, which who doesn't when you start. Right. And then you get James is like, eh, not really competitive, <laughs> not into it. Wants to be on his iPad. And then in August, we have no clue yet because just yapping around talking about Mario, the movie. Yeah. So, uh, but the biggest <laughs> thing, so here's my worries. Not my worries. Before I go into those, I want to say one more thing is I read this book once. And it was written by the, all the moms of very successful people. And these successful people, it's not just finance. It's, it's, it's a lot of them are finance. Like Elon Musk was one of the moms and all that. But there's people that are just wildly successful in non-finance things and the moms all it kind of the book highlighted what they all had in commonality when they were raising their kids and a lot of it was you know let them fail which my dad was really good at my parents which i do a lot my kids fall over get a scratch like there's no coddling it's just get up and get rolling so but keep that going let them fail in life um the other thing they talked about was the passion thing so like one of the moms was the guy that created gamestop Mm. so this kid was all into video games back in like the eighties or whatever decade. And all the moms were like to this other mom was like, why your kid's a loser, right? Basically playing video games, always inside. Like, aren't you worried about it? So the mom, instead of doing what most parents would do is like, get outside, you loser. Basically. Yeah. She got him all the books she could find on technology and gaming and said, if you're going to do this, you got to make a business out of it or make a career out of it and a passion. And you can't just sit here and play video games. So he created GameStop, you know, so his mom nurtured him to follow his passion. Um, So there's all these things that I want to do. But as for going forward, I was raised on a farm. So when it comes to like the bad things that I could get into, pretty limited. Um, Well, we live in Scottsdale now. So I don't, that's my worry is like, there's going to be a lot more drugs and things to get into that we never even had access to um so that worries me and just discipline like there's this chart i saw once it's like when a kid's born they just need you to be their parent not a friend 100 percent parent zero friend when they're born Mm -hmm. and then when they turn 18 the goal is to be 100 percent a friend and zero parent right because they're 18 it's time to go on their own and then the chart basically connects the dot so like you naturally have to shift from parent to friend slowly all the way to 18. So I just want to make sure I don't go too far either way. Um, I can be strict because I, I expect a lot, you know, that's how I was raised, but I also don't want to break them. So yeah, that was things like that I think about. That was a question I, I was going to ask because, you know, I think as a dad or just, you know, that, that, that kind of matriarch position that dads will take is yeah like how you know the strict the being how strict are you going to be because like when kids are kids and they're young i mean a a being a parent you just have to have an incredible amount of patience 
And it's not, and it's not to say like if you're not a parent, you don't know what that means. You know, you don't know what that. That's not what I'm saying. It's, it's a different level of patience when you do have a kid. Like, like for instance, this morning we were trying to get out the door, and my oldest Bridger, who bless his heart, he's he's the kindest, sweetest little boy that you'll ever meet. But he moves at like a snail's pace sometimes, and it's like, dude, you know, and you're and you're trying to be so patient. You're trying to not, you know, be short with him because it's like he doesn't really comprehend time and you know and and what we have to get accomplished in a day it's not his responsibility at two to really know that but it is there's this level of patience that you do have to carry um and i think like like you andrew we we kind of came from similar upbringings my father was he could be as nice and not hurt a butterfly type person but he also um, had a side that was very disciplinary, you know, and it was, yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't coddling in some situations and it was like too bad, you know, that's life. That's, you know, tough. You better figure it out. And, uh, you know, but he always, he always was graceful in his approach. You know what I mean? I think there's, when you're a parent, there's this balance of like, yeah, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta teach your kids right from wrong, yes and no, you know, those little things, but there's a gracefulness to it that you can kind of strike. Do you think, do you think when your kids get older, like, are you going to be, do you want to be like that kind of very tapped into parent in terms of like what your kids are doing on a daily basis and, you know, want them to like include you, you know, cause I see so many parent dynamics now where like, it's almost when the kid leaves leaves home, goes to college or goes off on their own for a while, and then they come back and kind of like they have this relationship of like, yeah, my kid is, you know, tells me things and keeps me in the loop on the happenings of, you know, what's going on in their life. Do you like do you want to be super tapped into that or do you do you don't mind if, you know, you kind of play play a parent from a distance? You know what I mean? Like is it because yeah, you have right, a, I, you have a really tight knit family? That's one thing that you guys and your family, I think, have always been known for is just how close you guys are. So, like, do correct. you expect that with your own kids and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, that's my goal, right? Is because like, and my parents were so good at that. Like, I have, I have the best parents in the world, so I keep referring back to it. Uh, you know, they're two of the people I look up to the most. Um, you know. When my brother and I, or whoever it may be in our family, gets in a fight, you know those sibling fights that. Oh yeah. And even when you get older, even outside of high school, you get in that fight in your early twenties where it's basically just like, "Screw you!" Like we're gonna put a gap between us, basically unspoken. You know, my dad would reach out in those points, and basically just make it very clear that, you know, this family is, is a unit. We will always be a unit, and no matter how big a fight or how bad the fight, you will always come back and you know hug and make up and and you have no you you have the, you have a choice to fight but you have no choice to break the family up kind of a deal yeah so, yeah and that's something i want to do with my kids you know because it's never perfect and there are going to be three different people I'm not saying they have to be like best friends but we're going to be friends we're going to be close you know and that that's my goal just like my parents did and i hope i can achieve that i mean the things that they achieved with six of us i'm just hoping i can achieve with three uh which i think will be just as hard but you know, I, I am strict. Like, for example, you know, I do the occasional spanking. I 
am very firm and I can I can make one of the kids cry if they do something wrong and they go to the room. But then I'm the dad that five minutes later goes up there, you know, lays down on the floor with them. We talk about why I was upset, why why I do these things, why because I want to be a better person. And at the end, I give them a hug and a kiss and and tell them I love them, you know. So like I follow up the discipline with affection um, pretty equally, and I think that that'll help. Because my dad was good at the discipline, not so much at the affection, <laughs> but my mom was really yeah. affectionate. So I'm just trying to be both. I think that's um, I think that was a generational thing because I think a lot of yeah. A lot of kids our age, you know, in the back end of our 20s, and you had parents that were, you know, raising us. Yeah, I think the the dads were very good, you know, had made their points when it came to disciplinary actions. And then mom was kind of the uh, smoother over of those situations and, and kind of brought everybody back together. And I think now, too, it's just a different, it's a different way people approach those things. I think between Lake and I... We both have, we both have our approaches, but we, I think, you know, to your point, try and come back to a a, a central place of like, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing is explaining to your kid, like why they had, you know, the discipline that they did. You know, I think we didn't get that. There was kind of like with my father, it was like, and, and not like no fault to his own. He just, that's just how he parented. And it was like, you know something would happen and it was like you better get back in line and a lot of the times I'm like I don't really understand what the reasoning you know what I mean like I knew I was in trouble but it was like what was your where are you coming from and it usually mom was the one that was like well you're you know your father doesn't want you to do you know and it was like oh okay now I think parents are like hey you know whether you're the disciplinarian or your spouse is we still need to make sure that they understand why they're being just, you know, why they're being, uh, you know, told to straighten up or something. So it's always interesting when you get into the thick of the parenting, uh, parenting thing. So kind of flipping the script here, you, you're obviously busy day to day running a company, running, you know, trying to continue to grow and evolve. What's some of the thing, what's one thing that people would be surprised to know about you um, outside of what you do on a daily basis? Is there, is there like a, a hobby that you like to partake in that, you know, would be like kind of an eyebrow raising type thing or anything that people really don't know about you? Yeah. I mean, nothing too like crazy. I mean, I, I'm trying to golf. I suck at it, but I'm trying to get good at it. Same. That's the one thing I'm yeah, <laughs> trying to, to improve at. I do enjoy getting on. I try to go once a week. Yeah. My boys, two boys and I are actually lessons together, golfing lessons together. So that's fun. Just have to bond over. So they're going to be really good because they're starting young. Yeah. Um, I think something that people are surprised about, and it's, I don't know if exactly what you're asking, but people are surprised because um, people are always like, gosh, you know, you guys building, you know, you guys ramping up to build 12 and opening a brand new self-storage facility every month for $18 million. And you having some ownership in the farm and you, you know, on this equipment dealership and just on and on. They just think like, you must be so busy. How do you have time for your family or anything? And the interesting thing, and again, I learned this, learned this from Gary and Jeff Bezos and a few other guys that you listen to, um, executives are actually paid to make very few decisions a day, just big ones. Um, the average, the average adult makes about 30,000 decisions per day. And by the time they get the important to the important decisions are too fatigued 
to actually make a good one or make one at all. Um, so I've trained myself to like, you know, we go to bed at, gosh, we'll probably fall asleep by about nine. Um, and then we're up by about five thirty ish with the kids, my wife and I both. And then we actually do, we just putter around. Same with Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos doesn't, well, when he used to work, he didn't go to the office till 10 AM. I don't either. I'm with the kids. Lacey takes them at eight and then I work out at the house. I usually get to the office around 10 and then I pick all the kids up at five, um, at home. And so really I only work on the company between 10 AM and 5 PM and that shocks people. But really my job is to just work with the presidents of the entities. There's about six of them. And Jesus had 12 disciples. I'm not as good as him, so I can only have half. You're just a peg. You're a peg lower than Jesus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we are. We all. So, um, uh, so basically, yeah. I mean, that's something that surprises people. I, you know, I asked Gary the same question, and I think it's in his book. When he was building, there was a point where he opened a new hotel every eight days at his peak. And I said, gosh, Gary, you must have been so busy. He's like, well, I just went to the office about three hours a day, if that. And I just hung out with the family and watched Westerns. Yeah. Gary is just such a, when you talk to him and he talks about what he's doing and the things he's done, he says it's such a humble way, but how he's done it, you just find great people, you treat them right. You make sure you pay them good. The best investments is in your place. Um, and you can build an empire. Really. You're just there to, to do what you're good at. Make sure capital's available when you need it and be there to be a cheerleader. That's it. Um, and you don't need to spend 10 hours a day doing it because I can be the best dad in the world. I asked Gary's, um, younger kids there, I say, and they all say he was the best dad ever, ever, which is pretty cool for a guy that built a multi-billion dollar company, you know? So that's what I want. Do you ever, do you ever, do you ever find it hard to, to, to turn that switch off at the end of the day? Like you get home at five and you're kind of sitting there. Are you... Are you able to disconnect? Are you able to put on like a favorite Netflix show or, 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 you know, do something and not be consumed by, you know, this constant, uh, I, I wouldn't, it's never a fear, but you're constantly trying to figure out what your next, what's next, what's next, yeah. right? Like, have it's you gotten a, better with that with age? It's, and I, Gary's still working on it too. And Lacey understands that that's one of my things and, I'm getting better with being present. That's something I've been working on. Like when I first got married during having kids, I was probably not the best at it at all. I feel like I've really gotten a lot better at it the last year or so. But what I do is like, you know, we'll get we'll have kid time, we'll get the kids down, and then Lacey and I'll watch a show or something, and then when she dozes off, like last night, when she dozed off at nine o'clock, I was on my phone looking at the Japanese and Chinese debt to GDP ratio and what that's going to do to our 10 year. Just like, I just got down a rabbit hole, right? I'm just a naturally curious person. <laughs> so I spent an hour on Japanese and Chinese debt and consumer debt and corporate debt and all this. I ain't going forever. Um, so that's what I do, but I just, I, I try to take all my curiosity from five to nine. And then I just cram it into like that nine to 10 before I go to bed. Mm. And then obviously in the morning, I try to take my curiosity Every five seconds, I have something I'm curious about, so I just jot it down. So when I get up with the kids and all that, I just kind of cram it in until 10. So really, my days are more just figuring out curiosity things or talking to presidents and figuring out all that stuff. But to circle back, it is a challenge. I know it's a challenge for Gary. It's a challenge for anybody that is wired like us. Um, 
so yeah it's hard but it's something i i work on daily and my wife knows that i am working hard at it because i appreciate her and the kids so much and and they like that so i think it's interesting too you know as your kids will will get older and they start being you know they start getting more involved you said like christian is is really into sports and 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 that probably you know i feel like when kids kind of start to show what they're interested at a young age that tends to carry over as they get older so maybe like you know foreshadowing you're like well i i i'm curious about a lot of things or i'm i'm still trying to work on that well when they get older and they start getting into more activities then it's kind of like you really don't have time to think about if you're present or not because you're too busy okay we got you know Christian's got a soccer game and we got to get him over there. And then James is, yep. you know, he's playing baseball over, you know, and you're all of a sudden you're just kind of like, again, you're back in that word of like, you're in the thick of it. And yep. that I think equates to being present. You know what I mean? Like both physically and, but you're just also, you're in that space of like, yeah, you know, our kids are we're, we're running around left and right. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, and for me too, you know, like I'm, I, I tend to get, much like I think a lot of people, you're laying in bed and you're like, I wonder what this is all about. And all of a sudden you're, yeah, you, you, you know, you, you grab your phone and you start Googling stuff and it's like, oh, this yeah. is interesting. And then, you know, it's like, next thing I know, I look at the clock and it's like, oh, okay, well, I totally blew up my sleep schedule by, you know, going down some rabbit hole that probably wasn't completely necessary, but, um, you know, as we kind yeah, of get, I try to get, I try to get eight hours of sleep at night. Like, obviously, unless something happens, but eight hours is kind of my my goal every night. You try for and sure. you try and stick to that pretty religiously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as we kind of wind down here, Andrew, um, I I've just had I, I jotted down a few things because I I'm always curious uh, with fellow dads and and uh, what's your what's your level of uh, expertise when it comes to. Uh, to home projects because my wife is convinced that that I I have a like a PhD in you know just honey do lists and I'm like yeah uh, we've had and I'm it's not that I ignore things that are around the house it's just I have a I some for some reason my motivation to like it 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 all comes on like one day like one day I will wake up and just hammer out you know, this, that, change the light bulb and this, and I, you know, replace this, and it's like, boom, done. I'm not like a, you know, oh, I'll, I'll take a, you know, tackle this, and then I'll do that, you know, like over time, it's kind of like, okay, I'm just going to do it all in one day. Where, What's your level of uh, expertise when it comes to that kind of stuff around the house? Yeah, so, I mean, luckily, unluckily, I grew up with a dad that was very handy, so I naturally... I can do all the things. Like if we put an addition on the house, it was the kids and my dad. And, you know, we all just did as a family. We all ran the farm as a family. So like I grew up and I have the knowledge to do, I can pretty much figure anything out as a farm head with, with, from my farming background. Right. So, you know, it started out where I would just do everything. And obviously Lacey loved that. And then it got to the point where I'm sitting there <laughs> screwing a light bulb in and then I learned, and I was like to myself, well, gosh, you know, time value of money and all this. And then I kind of stopped doing it. I'm sure she appreciated that. Trying to get like, got like <laughs> a handyman. Like a handyman, like I'd rather spend time thinking about this. You know, but then I realized not long ago, I thought to myself, um, you know, I've worked hard to get to where I'm at to have freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, freedom should be used for a couple things. I mean, freedom 
should be used to build relationships with your kids and your wife and and things that you love and that's what i love right we're playing golf and so what i realized is yes that I'd, I'd probably be better off thinking about work than screwing in a light bulb but what i realized is, is if i do projects and my kids see it that is that's valuable more valuable than money right yeah, there's value yeah. so maybe i've worked hard to have free time to do hard work that brings value to my family um i'm not gonna go and you know go do hard work and cut trees down and my kids aren't watching because i could be better off in the office but so what i do is i try to use the honey to-do list things to have my kids hold the tape measure or watch me because it's more about time value money to me it's about bonding and showing the boys you know that it is good to work hard too in life so that's kind of where I've gotten to now, but I do kind of cram it on weekends. I'll get a list and then I'll just go. But that's just my thoughts on it. I've kind of gone through a couple cycles of thoughts that, where I'm at now. That answer, I was really hoping you were just going to say, you know what, Blaine? I just, <laughs> I say to hell with it all and I don't, you know, I just let it all pile Screw up. It. And I just wait till that day where I, you know, my wife comes at me with a knife and is like, you better <laughs> fucking do something. Your answer, your answer makes uh lakin's gonna listen to this and she's gonna be like see andrew andrew does it and he does it in a way that he's teaching his child you know his children and i'm like god damn it andrew that was you know, i know i bet this is a new epiphany so it's not like it's... <laughs> i was i was really trying to throw you a, a, a you know a softball there and and you cranked on it you went right for the home run uh, good. yeah great great answer uh last last question fun kind of fun opinion do you have any uh a, you gotta. We, I, I want every episode that I do with every guest to end with a funny dad joke. So I need you to think oh about God. a funny dad joke that you have. Because I, I know, have one. I just told I, my kids and wife last night. It's I know so you bad. have one. Before you answer that, uh, I'm always curious as a dad. Uh, do you have any like pet peeves? Uh, not necessarily that your kids do, or you know, but like, is there something that like you're just. Like mine is people that stand too close to me in line at the checkout counter. Like I, I, I'm a people person and I will strike up a conversation with anybody and I'll, you know, whatever. I cannot stand though when like I'm at the counter and I can feel the person behind me is too close. It's like, it's too close. Like I can't, and I've, I've never told anybody to like, like back up, but I definitely have repositioned myself to kind of like, Hey, you know, this I don't feel comfortable. Like that's a pet peeve of mine. So like, do you have anything? Yeah. Do you have anything weird like that? I mean, mine are like kind of cliche. It's like I hate like dishonest people or hate the stronger. I dislike dishonest people. I just like when someone like says they're gonna get back to you and doesn't. That's like one of my biggest pet peeves. Like oh, huge. Yeah. So those are pretty cliche. Like yours is way better than mine. Mine are just like normal people. <laughs> yours is weird that's funny though I yeah don't like, like when someone like talks too close to my face that's weird don't like that no i don't like that either they, I, like step back and then they step closer it's like i'm stepping back for a reason man yeah that that <laughs> like, i think yeah. falls into a more which is ironic but a more normal thing to be yeah. mine with people standing too close to me in line from like it's just like i i don't know what but my my sense is just i can't i can't deal with that it's like you know, like, and I'm, you know, like nowadays too, like sometimes you got to type in your pin number and it's like, not that I'm like constantly worried yeah. about my identity being stolen because if somebody took my identity, I mean, they're really not going to find much, but like, I'm like, I don't really want to give away my debit card p 
pin number, you know, to to Joe Schmo behind me, and and just because he he wants to stand really close, like it just that wouldn't make sense. Yeah, that one I get. maybe that's yeah. more normal than maybe I'll find more people that find, you know, that to be like okay, okay. Before I let you go, because you've been really really gracious with your time, I got to hear this dad joke, and if it's it so if it bad. doesn't if it doesn't make me laugh, I. I mean, probably this will be the last time we talk. I usually hold, I usually hold grudges for about ten years, give or take. So, oh boy, better be uh, good. So yeah, last time I was, I always try to pull a joke. It was, uh, why do I, why do you bring two pairs of socks to the, to to play golf? Let, let me guess. Why do okay? So why do you bring two pairs of socks to play golf? Oh, it's got to be like an iron joke or something like a, um, because your feet. Putter? I don't know. That was bad. Bad guess. We'll delete that out. Just in case I get a hole in one. <laughs> oh, that, that's a good one. Dang. Dang. Yeah, Dang. I, why? That was right nice in front of me, joke. too. That's a nice family joke. That's a clean, family, good dad joke. That is... Yeah. Uh, sure. My goal is at the end you know, of season one, I'm going to rank the best dad jokes. <laughs> and that's... If I win, I feel bad for the other dads because that was... Uh... <laughs> That's pretty low bar. That's so far is uh one of the better ones I've heard. And that's that was right oh, okay. there. That was right there for the taking and I, I totally I know, I'm surprised you didn't guess. I'm I, glad you didn't though. So you would have guessed and I would have felt really silly. I whiffed on it. Uh but uh well Andrew, I, I appreciate you again taking time out of your, your busy schedule. I know you're a busy guy. Um and uh being on the show it's it's really exciting to have guys like you and your perspective and, and just everything that you're, you're doing as a dad, as a, as a business owner, as a, um, you know, a, a creator, an entrepreneur, it's really fun to get to, t- you know, sit down and, and talk. And, uh, you know, we, we wanted, I need to do more of this next time, maybe episode part two, we can do it on a golf course somewhere. There you go. I like that idea. Hopefully uh, not in the summer, though. Hopefully the fall. Be better weather. It's getting hot here. Yeah, I... I we're coming back to North Dakota, though, here on Monday for five weeks. Be back to Medicoshi. So we're excited. Well, I'm sure we'll run into each other. Probably act yeah. like we don't know each other. And then, oh, yeah, of course. And then do, like, a some, you know, secret handshake that our, yeah. our wives will be like, when did they have time to do that? Okay. <laughs> Um, just make it up on the spot make it up on the spot that's that's usually that's how we uh that's how we roll but andrew thanks for being here i appreciate it say hi to all of the kiddos and to Lacey and to uh to everybody else and safe travels back to the midwest man we've had some beautiful weather so hopefully uh, hopefully you guys get back and enjoy some summertime and i'm sure we'll run into each other soon yeah well thanks again have me on again soon that'd be awesome appreciate it all right brother we'll talk soon